Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. My name is Shakira and I am the host here. This is Blacktober. So during the month of October, we have a series entitled Blacktober where we talk about black issues, black history, different things in the black community. And this episode is no different. Now, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, that just means that you aren't a part of our Carefree family yet. There's no problem with that. All you have to do is subscribe and you'll be notified every single time we post a new episode, which is every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Now, if you are subscribed, if you're already a part of our Carefree family, hey, hello and welcome back. I appreciate you for listening to a new episode. Here on the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast, we talk about an array of topics from news, politics, pop culture, music, entertainment, and so much more. But most importantly, we talk about social issues and life lessons that I've learned along the way that I wish to share with you. So thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Let's head into our Carefree Updates. This week's Carefree Updates are a little bit different because I'm not talking about movies, I'm not talking about TV shows, I'm not talking about music and news, what we usually talk about. What I want to say during this Carefree Update is that there is a quote by Malcolm X that I love so very much where he said, if a man doesn't stand for something, he will fall for anything. Again, that quote is, if a man doesn't stand for something, he will fall for anything. And the way I took that quote when I heard it growing up was that you have to have some sort of standard or value system about yourself. You have to have something that you stand on no matter what. And if you have a solid foundation of things that you will not waver on, it's very hard for people who oppose that standard or have an opposing foundation to yours to be able to sway you. And I say that because I saw two different instances this week, one with Kanye West, where he had a fashion show, where he had his black models wearing White Lives Matters t-shirts, and he and Candace Owens, who is a pro, um, I don't even know what to call her, if you know of Candace Owens, if you know, you know what she stands for and her value system. And the conversation since that is that, you know, he does these things for shock factor. Yes, we know this. This is nothing new. Um, But what I mostly want to say is that we have to stand for something as a people in order to not fall for this continual loop. Like, this is nothing new. We've seen him do this over and over again. And it's not just upsetting that he did the shirt. It's how dangerous that can be. We've seen during the previous presidency how bad things can get, right? Due to misinformation, due to people having a deep-seated hatred for a group of people or groups of people who are different than themselves. And it's very irresponsible and very, again, dangerous to have a platform that large And to feed into the ideology of those groups of people is dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that when I saw that, I was like, wow, (laughs) like not surprising, not disappointed because I expect that from him at this point. But if I could tell you anything, it would be to have a solid foundation. Don't buy the stuff. Don't feed into the shenanigans. I... 
just refuse. I refuse to put money in the pockets of someone who has proven over and over and over again that they don't care about me or people who look like me. Um, so yeah, I just don't know. I refuse. And then also that's a part of my foundation. So what he stands for in this moment opposes what I stand for. So I'm not falling for it, right? That's what I mean by a man who stands for nothing will fall for anything. And I also want to use that same logic because I saw another instance this week where a woman, I don't even want to say her name because I don't want to give her a bigger platform. She is, she had this retreat of other women, other black women. And I think the basis of the retreat was to be coming and learning like business strategies, um, bonding, sisterhood, you know, stuff like that. And the way this woman who is supposed to be their coach, their life coach or whatever her uh, title is, the way she spoke to one of the women on the, the yacht that they were on, a boat that they were on because of the amount of food she had on her plate, she was telling the woman on this video in front of other women like, when people look at your plate, they will say that you're a hood rat. When people look at my plate, they will say that I'm a queen. First of all, when do we look at plates and say, oh, that person's plate is a hood rat? And she was like, oh, this is a low vibrational plate. First of all, first things first, I'll take all the low vibrational plates in the world. <laughs> like, If we are being honest, if it means that I am eating good, I will eat a low vibrational plate. But the point is, that I want us as a people to get to a space where we are not falling prey to people like this. People who prey on your insecurities. People who don't make you feel good. Stay away from those kinds of people. They don't mean you well. Your intuition and your instinct, if your gut is telling you that, hey, I don't think this person means me well, your gut is right. Your intuition is right. And listen to that. So again, if a man doesn't stand for something he will fall for anything so I encourage you to figure out where you stand in your life in different issues whether it's black issues societal issues uh how much food you put on your plate and don't allow anyone else to sway you if they have an opposing view all right that's all I wanted to say because that was kind of bothering me this week with my people. We got to do better. We have to do better. And this is Blacktober. So let's have a break for our sponsor and then we'll hop into our topic. So there is a very infamous line from the movie ATL starring T.I. and or Clifford Harris and Lauren London. Um, and Lauren London's character was named Nunu. And so Nunu is at home and Esquire, who was a friend of... T.I. in the movie, um, Esquire confronts her about how she's basically been cosplaying this role, um, like she's really from the neighborhood, like she's really from where they were from. You can have a piss in the hallway. I'll take the Picasso. You got a Picasso in your house. You need to know your voice. Shut up. And she isn't. And he finds out that she's actually from a very well-off family. She comes from wealth. Her dad is this guy that he actually looks up to. And her dad was from the neighborhood, but he made it out, you know. 
Um, he made his money, et cetera, et cetera. So if you've seen the movie ATL, you know what I'm talking about. But in that movie, it touches on the idea of black people feeling like they can only be accepted if they have a struggle story. And although in ATL, it was the daughter wanting to downplay her upbringing and also downplay her familial income and what kind of cars they drove, what kind of clothes she wore or owned, um, what kind of house they stayed in. She didn't want her friends to know all of that because she felt that they wouldn't accept her. But that same way of thinking somehow also plagues us in the opposing way, I think. So oftentimes I'll see black people say how they want their kids to know the struggle Or I'll see people say when they turn 18, they need to go find a job because I'm not helping them anymore. Or my kids are going to have to work for everything because I had to work for it. And whenever I see that or hear things like that, I'm like, hmm, interesting. My antennas shoot up a little bit. Hence, this podcast episode in our Blacktober series is about quote-unquote, getting it out the mud or black people's obsession with that mentality of like getting things out the mud, making it out of the trenches, things like that. Now, before we get started, let me preface this by saying that I am black and I am a woman. So my take and my perspective is coming from being black and a woman. I can't speak for other demographics, Because I don't know what they have going on over there. Like I tell you all quite often, what did Shekinah say? I don't know nothing about that lifestyle. Whatever y'all got going on, because that's not me. I don't know nothing about that lifestyle. And because I only know about us, that's why I'm directing this conversation towards us. Because we could benefit from having this conversation, I believe. All right, now that we are clear on that, first, for those that may be unfamiliar with the phrase of getting it out the mud, Urban Dictionary gives us a pretty good definition of what out the mud means. And according to them, it's, quote, when you've reached a certain level of financial stability, lifestyle, etc., and you started with far less than you got it out the mud, end quote. And that's pretty accurate. When you think about the childhoods and young adulthoods of people like Oprah, people like Jay-Z, Tyler Perry, Lil Baby, 50 Cent, and others, compared to where they are now, you can possibly consider them prime examples of, quote-unquote, getting it out the mud. And once they've surpassed those days of struggling and now they have endless cash, billboards everywhere um you can see them in Times square they have partnerships with reebok and partnerships with coke and pepsi um they have these nice cars that they're driving nice homes in our community whether we want to admit it or not there comes a respect with that look at where he came from look at where she started from i mean drake even has his song started from the bottom now we're here and he's not the only person. It can that kind of mentality and like showmanship for getting it out the mud can be found in a lot of different songs and in a theme in a lot of different movies and TV shows that we see. 
Jeezy, the rapper Jeezy said, I used to have nothing, but now I got a whole lot of everything. Ride Wave, someone who I love, said, young and not the bottom, but he beat the odds. Ain't gonna lie, I had it hard, hard. And on the most recent season of P-Valley, I don't know if y'all listen to the P-Valley soundtrack, but I love the P-Valley soundtrack. There's a song on there that was in the very first episode with Lil Murda, and he said, when I make it up out this, mm, I'ma go stupid, dumb, spend stupid money coming up out the mud. And there's that phrase again, out the mud. We talk about coming out of the bottom and the struggle because one, yes, it's something to be proud of and you should admire and you should state how far you've come because you don't know who you may be inspiring in the process. You don't know who else has similar circumstances and feels like there's no way out or I don't have an example of someone who is doing what I want to do or someone who has made it out of this So you should brag on that. You should be proud of that. But two, we talk about coming out of the bottom and struggle because when you can say you've made it and mean it, you know how your people are going to receive you. And by receive you, I mean respect you. Think back to The Sweet Life on HBO Max season one. If you're like me, it may be kind of hard to remember because my memory is very very flaky on me but do you remember when the guys were recording that podcast episode and they had that whole ordeal on Jared's podcast about who was privileged and whatnot do you remember that well let me remind you about how that whole situation went down basically what had happened was (laughs) the conversation started about mental health and anxiety and I had to go back and watch this while I was trying to figure out what I was getting at with this episode I was like I remember vaguely what they were talking about but how did it start well the conversation started great it was about mental health anxiety black men communicating their feelings and seeking therapy and things like that and I was like how did they go from there to there they went from zero to 100 real quick but it took a turn when Jordan brought up the fact that People in his family tried to discourage him for pursuing his clothing company. And for a little context, Jordan was on season one. He was not on season two. And he has a successful, I think, um, clothing company that he said he built from scratch. And his kind of storyline during season one was about that. So when he was saying that people in his family discouraged him to pursue his clothing company and they were telling him like go get a real job you know get your degree etc etc in response to him saying that another cast member on the show responded that you know it all boils down to finances and privilege and it went left after that after he said that it went way left Jordan felt like the other guys were downplaying his success because he had a mother um to I'm going to say help him start his business, even though she may not have funded it per se. I'm not quite sure of the entire context of how she helped, but this is just on the basis of their conversation. Even if she didn't fund the business, they were saying that he had a sort of privilege because some people don't even have that much. So then Jordan says, quote, 
I'm more successful than you because I work harder than you, end quote. And that was all stemming from the fact that he did not want his business's success and his personal success to be tied to another person, even if it's his mom. He didn't even want his mama getting credit for the success of his business and his personal success. And if he came from a place of privilege, he didn't want that. He didn't want that association with his brand and with who he is. Because for some odd reason in our community, God forbid if you had a little help or assistance along the way. We see it everywhere. We see it in the workplace when supervisors or people who've been at a job longer um, and they aren't wanting to guide or help new people coming in because they feel like, well, I had to figure it out on my own too. So why would I help them? Lord knows I have experienced that many times over. I used to work at a call center, fun fact, and the work, the floor, the uh, what is it called? I forgot. The the floor, basically, that we all worked on. It was just an open floor where we all accepted phone calls. It was mostly black. And I remember needing help with something. I may have been like three weeks into the job. And I remember needing help with something. And they were so adamant about not helping me because they had to figure it out by themselves. So... Now you need to figure it out by yourself. We also see this in academic settings when teachers, the people who are paid to teach you, say, well, I got mine and you need to get yours. Like, I'm trying to, (laughs) but I can't get mine if you aren't teaching me what I need to know. And yes, I've had several educators Say that to me and also to peers of mine, other students. I got mine. You need to get yours. How can I get mine if you're not teaching me how to get mine? I know you have yours. Like, help me get mine. That's what you are paid to do. We also see it within our own family units. When kids are growing up and may need assistance with things from gas to books, trying to get money to go to school games and events, And you have those parents that are like, figure it out. That's a child. (laughs) That is your child. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard a faculty member at a school tell a parent something about their child and the parent's response is something along the lines of, oh, he'll be all right. I had to deal with it and I'm fine. Just because you had to deal with something difficult doesn't mean that you should want or also allow your child to undergo those same circumstances as well. And if you happen to grow up with parents like this, um, then you should want better for your children if you decide to have them. You should want to be of assistance in any way you possibly can for them. And I'm not saying you have to coddle your child. I'm not saying that you have to baby step them through life. I'm not saying that you have to be their decision maker 24 seven for everything in their life. No, what I'm saying is allow them the space and opportunity to think for themselves because they are actually a whole human person outside of you, but also have that relationship with them to where they know you always have their back and If they need something, you'll be there to assist. That's all I'm saying. 
I think that we as a community have to practice disconnecting or unsubscribing from this idea of struggle, of struggle being commendable or the respectable way to do something and passing that down from generation to generation to generation. It's okay if you had help. Like I've seen people who have actually had help with things along the way, which again, there is no problem with that. Completely deny that they had help or take the perspective like Jordan had and downplay their help because they feel like if other black people found out that they had help along the way, then that somehow makes their success less important. It's okay if you had assistance. It is okay if there was someone who helped pave the way for you along the way. It's okay if someone gave you a playbook. It's okay if somebody at a job said, hey, I'm going to take you under my wing because I had to learn things the hard way, so I don't want you to have it as bad as I had it. That doesn't make your success any less commendable than the person who made it out the trenches or the person who got it out the mud because they had no choice but to get it that way. They had no choice but to figure things out on their own. It just means that you may have started the race at a different starting point that was more beneficial to you. And that is okay. A lot of times when we have conversations about um, people's journey in whatever field or in their life in general, it reminds me a lot of that movie. What is the name of that movie? With Lakeith Stanfield. It's a very trippy movie. Um, but basically, I can't recall it off the top of my head, but basically, Lakeith Stanfield's character is talking to another black man and they end up in this like tit for tat, like, you look good. No, you look good. You have a good day. No, you have a better day. You be easy. No, you be easy. And that's not like verbatim, but that's kind of how it happens in the movie. And that's kind of how those conversations sound when we start having these trench wars like trench war conversations I don't even know what you would call them but you'll have one person that's like well I had to do this to make it here and then you have another person that's like well I had it worse than you because I had to do this and this to make it here and it's like y'all it's okay like you're all on the same playing field now you're all in the same positions your success is your success and I I'm proud of you regardless of if you had to figure it out on your own or if you had five other people hold your hand along the way. So whether you had to get it out the mud or if you had a bit of privilege, I hope that you'll make way for the next generation to not have to struggle in the same ways that you have had to struggle. And if you have a Picasso in your house, don't hide it. Be proud of it. Don't forget to stay black and carefree. And I'll see you guys next week in a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries, Blacktober edition.